Coming up this evening on NTD Business. AT&T spinning off Warner Media, merging it with Discovery. So what does that mean for AT&T's business and for its shareholders? Hollywood agencies turning their attention to TikTokers. Why now and what are they after? And companies hiring in New York City will soon have to list pay ranges in job ads. What are the pros and what are the cons? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Good evening. Great to have you with us. I'm Paul Graney here live in New York City. Lawmakers in Capitol Hill bought and sold an estimated $355 million worth of stocks in 2021. It's according to stock transaction disclosure data. So who traded the most amount of stocks? House members took all 10 top spots. The top senator was number 12. For years, stock trading by members of Congress has been under scrutiny. Several studies have shown stock trading lawmakers in general tend to outperform the market. That's raised questions whether politicians are using privileged information to benefit themselves. While there are laws against insider trading by politicians, some say the penalties are too small, enforcement too lax. Some have called for tougher rules, while others say lawmakers should be banned from trading stocks altogether. Over on Wall Street today, all three major benchmarks advancing. The Dow rose 273 points, but eight-tenths of a percent. S&P 500 gained 31 points, but seven-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq today adding 106 points, about three-quarters of a percent today. AT&T says it'll spin off Warner Media. It's going to merge it with Discovery. The transaction's worth about $43 billion. AT&T shareholders will own about 70% of the new company. It'll be called Warner Brothers Discovery. The spinoff allows AT&T to focus on building out its wireless networks instead of spending on content to compete with other streaming services like Netflix and Disney. AT&T bought Warner as recently as 2018, but analysts say it's been an unsuccessful investment so far. Next week, Disney will report its financials, and that'll help guide how investors value the new Warner Brothers Discovery Company. And there's a word game that's gone viral around the world. Wordle is being acquired by the New York Times. The news of the acquisition sparked some backlash online. Fans want to know if the game's still going to be free. The New York Times delayed those fears today, though, saying it will. You know, we're just excited to, to have this audience be introduced to the New York Times, to introduce the New York Times to this game. Um, and there's so much value we're going to get from that. So, you know, we're, we're not thinking right now about uh, limiting the game in any way. Wordle was released back in October by a former software engineer. Pretty much caught on like wildfire with its creator then admitting it's too much for one person to handle. Now the New York Times is adding it to its stable of games and puzzles. It's trying to broaden its digital content offering. It has a goal of hitting 10 million subscribers by 2025. And Hollywood agencies representing some of the biggest stars in the world, like Will Smith, Beyonce, they're not turning their attention to TikTokers. Content creators and the Chinese-owned app are wooing a ton of the younger generation, Gen Z viewers, now Hollywood wants in on that action. And Phil Zhou has the details. 
Talent agencies in Hollywood are used to representing big-time movie stars and mega artists, but now they're going after influencers on TikTok. Well, I'm certainly not surprised that Hollywood is is hiring off of TikTok. TikTok is is opening up doors for all these Gen Z 10 to 25 year olds. Millennial and Gen Z are the two most important generations at the moment. It seems a little bit easier for brands to use TikTok marketing. Marketing expert Maggie Wilson says it's about making money. Hollywood is figuring out that you can tap into these micro communities that are on TikTok and you get a really great return on your investment. Especially if the TikTok influencer has a loyal following. There's a gap between how much it costs for an influencer versus a celebrity. And the ROI might be a little bit better if you're working with an influencer, especially a micro-influencer who has a very engaged audience. Reza Izad co-founded Underscore Talent, a firm representing over 200 content creators on sites like YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. As ad dollars have shifted out of traditional spend into digital, uh, this creator class has been a significant beneficiary, and we think that the business opportunities around all digital creators. He says digital content grew, especially during the pandemic. It was hard to shoot an ad. It was very easy to do a YouTube video and a TikTok campaign. Social media consultant Robert Stern says agencies also want to leverage TikTok talent and pass their knowledge onto their current celebrity clients. They want to leverage the loyalty of the audience that they have these TikTokers have, but they also want to learn from them to help their in-house clients, big names. TikTok recently became the most visited site even ahead of Google, but actress and TV show host Sam Sorbo says when things are too good to be true, beware. It is, in effect, spyware. And so there's a great deal of data that's being gathered through people's use of this technology of this app. TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance, Former President Trump tried banning the Chinese-owned app over national security concerns, but the ban has since been lifted by President Biden. Phil Zhou, NTD News. It seems the great resignation is still with us. Over 4.3 million Americans quit their jobs in December, according to the Labor Department. It is down slightly from November. November was the highest reading in the history of the statistic. Fewer people left health care and social assistant jobs in December. Good news for hospitals reporting staffing shortages. But more people said bye-bye to their manufacturing bosses. Not good news for American producers. Not having the workers to do the work was one of the top problems reported by manufacturers in today's PMI reports. More on that in just a minute. The Home Depot wants to offer jobs to its applicants before they can accept another one. The company says it's speeding up its hiring process to combat the worker shortage. It says some of its job applicants could receive a job offer within one day of applying. Home Depot is looking to hire more than 100,000 new employees as it heads into its busy spring season. The company says it's also offering incentives for those looking for work, including a cash bonus program, discounted stock purchases, and tuition reimbursement. If a company is looking for workers in New York City, there will soon be a big change to the hiring process. A new pay transparency law will come into effect May 15th. Some people think this will close the pay gap in the workplace. Others say there are downsides. Hedidis Colin Fredrickson has the details.
Soon you're going to see pay information on New York City job postings. A new pay transparency law will require employers to include minimum and maximum salary ranges in job advertisements. It's going to force companies to be more transparent, I have better pay equity. This law will cover nearly all businesses hiring in the city, except those with fewer than four employees or just hiring temporary workers. Companies that don't comply could face civil penalties or be fined. You're seeing growing numbers of states and local municipalities who are enacting laws to ensure that employees are treated fairly by having accurate information to make informed decisions during the hiring process. The New York City Council passed the bill last December, and it will go into effect this spring. The council says right now the lack of salary transparency is discriminatory and anti-worker. We talked to people in New York City, and everyone we spoke to supported the new pay transparency law. Business consultant Corinthia Barber says this will make the hiring process more productive by giving adequate information to potential applicants. And there could be positive rippling effects. It helps to build trust within organizations. It helps to build accountability. According to a UCLA study from 2013, workers are more productive when salaries are transparent. But some experts worry this could be another challenge for employers in New York City. This creates new burdens for already stressed HR departments. It creates concerns about companies disclosing their pay scales to rival uh, companies. John Boyd is a principal at the Boyd Company, which specializes in corporate site selection. He says under this law, New York City will become a difficult place to do business and lose more projects. During this great resignation era, he thinks HR is more about retaining the best workers than just recruiting. Now, many companies are rewarding their best employees with bonuses and with increased pay. And they don't necessarily want to share that information uh, to all, all, all prospective applicants in the job market. The CEO of Genesis 10, Harley Lippman, says another downside is some job applicants won't apply because they're not able to negotiate. If they interviewed and if they're that good, the employer may pay that person more. But now that person is discouraged because they see the range. California and Colorado have also recently enacted umbrella pay transparency legislation. And Maryland, Washington, and some cities in Ohio also have similar pay transparency requirements. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. It seems prices are not coming down for manufacturers. In fact, one report today shows they increased significantly between December and January. The ISM reports that aluminum was up for the 20th month in a row. It was the 14th straight month electric components were more expensive and diesel fuel logged its 13th straight month of gains. Manufacturing costs are usually passed on to the consumer, unless the manufacturer can take the hit itself. But today's IHS market report suggests many firms are raising their prices for consumers. So we're delighted to be joined again by the CEO of Dakota Micro, Charissa Ruby. Dakota Micro makes heavy-duty cameras tough enough to survive life on the farm. They make them right there in North Dakota. Charissa, great to see you again. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, Paul. I appreciate it. Every time. Yeah, every time. Charissa, we have, I think some of us or many people were hoping inflation may have peaked as we came into 2022. How about on your side? Are prices rising as fast as ever or have you seen some improvement this year? 
Uh, we, I think they're still rising. Um, almost all of our products, we see the raw components and the raw materials for most of our equipment is just, it's creeping up now. It's not like it was as much before where it was kind of leaps and bounds. Um, it's, why it seems is that, Charissa? Why, why do you think it's, it's improved? Um, I think that they hit, people just were, I think they were stopping buying. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I think that you can only uh, jack the prices up so much before you're going to actually impact people buying your products. I mean, there is a limit. If somebody, you know, jacks up the price of, increases the price of bread, and pretty soon a loaf of bread is 10 bucks, somebody's going to figure out how to make their own bread or do without. And I think it's just people modifying the components in their uh, builds, or they're simply dropping certain um, things and not even selling them anymore. So I think it's it, the increase in prices and the inflation has caused a, a shift in what people are building and why they're building it. Have you guys made any uh, adjustments in your manufacturing process similar to this? Um, yeah, we're, we had a camera line within our lineup um, called InnoPro, and it was a digital uh, camera, like an IP, a ruggedized IP camera. And um, we were selling it to multiple uh, places, and we've decided to scale back where we were selling it to because the components, new components, especially for design manufacturing, is much harder to find. And um, while we still offer it to many of our customers, we're not pushing it like we were before. Do you feel that the inflation and the raw material shortage we discussed a few months back, have they hurt your business? I, I think time will tell. I do feel like this fall and early winter, there was a lot of fear buying. I think it was everywhere. I think people were fear buying everything from automobiles to electronics to food. And I think that people spent the amount that they felt comfortable spending in the fear buying and i'm seeing it dropping off and it's not just you know our business um where we haven't really dropped off but we haven't seen the increase in sales that would have matched the increase that we had in the fall and winter and so while the expectation in most businesses the the logical expectation is you're just going to keep seeing it grow you grow 27 30 percent in you know your fourth quarter you expect that to start increasing, especially if you're getting into your new year. And um, also just with the inflation of prices, we pay more, our customers pay more. It, it increases the bottom line, whether you make more money on the very end or not, you're just, you're processing more dollars. Trista Ruby, Dakota Micro, appreciate it, thank you. Thank you so much. And this week's Entrepreneur Spotlight, we're talking to successful entrepreneur and author Don Brown. Brown is the CEO of Lifeomic. It's a team of over 90 people using cutting-edge technology to improve health and well-being. Makes products, its products make it easier and faster for a doctor to diagnose a patient. Brown's also just released a new book called Understanding Life. It's how getting out of your comfort zone can improve your health. Before founding Lifeomic, he sold software company Interactive Intelligent for $1.4 billion. That company built tools for improving customer service in large companies. As far back as 1988, Brown founded Software Artistry. That became the first software company in Indiana ever to go public. It was later acquired by IBM for $200 million. He bills himself as an avid outdoorsman who loves hiking, rock climbing, and skiing with his eight children, especially in and around Park City, Utah.
So we're delighted to be joined by Don Brown, the CEO of Life Omic. Don, pleasure to see you. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. Don, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time, a successful entrepreneur at that. I'm not sure about our viewers. I think for me personally, one thing I find challenging is staying consistent, at least staying consistently enthusiastic about a project or an endeavor as the time wears on. How do you do it? Well, I, I think you have hit upon a key point. I, unless you're passionate uh, about something, <clears throat> it's uh, really hard to be successful. Um, so, uh, you know, for, for me, it really stems from a deep uh, intellectual interest in whatever I'm working on. If I don't have that, uh, I, I quickly get bored and uh, want to turn to something else. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think it, that's, that's the crux, just being interested in the problem you're trying to solve. How do you line that up with looking at the market and, and finding an opportunity in the market? Is there always a match there somewhere? I, you know, I, my attitude is that with good enough uh, uh, product development, good enough engineering, uh, you can come into just about any space and disrupt it. Uh, you know, especially now with uh, the pace of change in technology with cloud, mobile, AI, blockchain, there are just so many tools that you can use uh, to uh, vault ahead of your competition. How ex what, what advice would you give to people who maybe aren't in this space or, or aren't even in the technology space but want to solve a real-world problem like you guys are trying to do in Life Omic? What's the best first step? Well, I think uh, identifying something that you're uh, interested in, ideally something that you're passionate about, a problem that you see, you know, some uh, limitation. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think the hallmark uh, characteristic of any entrepreneur is just curiosity, uh, just wanting to know more about how something works. Is there anything you can think back in your, your career that, kind of sparked this? Were you always a curious person? Was there a particular moment that you kind of opened your mind up to the, the kind of intricacies of the world? Well, you know, I was in an MD, PhD program uh, planning to become a biomedical uh, engineer, a biomedical researcher. Uh, so I had no interest in business, no experience. Uh, but I, through science, you, you know, uh, science is all about curiosity uh, about the world. And so uh, when uh, I got uh, uh, tugged into business by a, a friend of mine who uh, needed a, a software uh, application, I, I became curious about his business, about how it worked, about what could be done to make it more efficient. And so it, it, it's that curiosity, I think, that's key. Uh, and yeah, I think it should start with a curiosity about the world in, in general. How do you go about bringing people in around you who share your vision or are willing to, to do that journey with you? How do you persuade them? Well, I've been pretty lucky. You know, I've been at this a few years. So when I started my uh, most recent venture, Lifomic, uh, back in 2016, uh, I had uh, eight or so of uh, my senior architects from my previous company that I, I was leaving who said, we're, we're coming. We don't know what you're going to do, but we want to be part of it. And so, you know, uh, building those relationships over the years just makes everything much uh, easier and faster. 
We know in your space as well, of course, there are hard skills that are invaluable, coding, etc. From your experience and on your journey, what are some of the most important soft skills that an entrepreneur or somebody successful in that space really needs to cultivate? Well, you know, you've you've heard some of the aphorisms about uh, establishing uh, big, hairy, audacious goals. You know, those sorts of things. I, and I think it's true um, for the sorts of people that uh, uh, you need uh, to solve uh, hard problems. Uh, you've got to make sure that they're as passionate about it as you are, uh, as as the leader. And so, for me, my biggest job is just being cheerleader. You know, uh, really making them excited, making sure they see the importance of uh, their work, and then celebrating every step along the way, every little victory, uh, really trying to recognize uh, you know, all the hard work and the, the tiny little steps of uh, progress uh, that lead up to uh, major change. Let them know their worth. Very true. Uh, Don Brown, Life Homing, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Now we're going to take a quick break, but still to come. A federal agency is making Tesla recall tens of thousands of cars. It says they're not following traffic rules. So what's the issue and what should you do if you own a Tesla? And children in Australia are trying their hands at beekeeping. It's to help rescue a native species that's now threatened. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Anyone who's ever gotten a ticket for rolling through a stop sign knows you have to come to a complete stop, no matter what. And Tesla is paying the price for ignoring that rule. Cars in Tesla's self-driving beta program have been programmed to just roll through stop signs so long as no other cars or people are around. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, though, isn't having it. The agency issued a safety recall, forcing Tesla to make its cars obey stop signs. According to Tesla, this will impact close to 54,000 vehicles in a self-driving program. The company, though, doesn't like the word recall, since the issue will be fixed with an over-the-air software update. Tesla says no cars in its program have been involved in any accidents since it launched in 2020. And NASA has revealed an image taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. They say it shows a galactic pair near a third galaxy. Any Star Trek fan will probably recognize the shape they make. The two galaxies in the upper right appear to be interacting with one another. They together resemble the famous starship on Star Trek, the USS Enterprise. Just one of the two epic photographs taken by Hubble, NASA also released this photo of an area of space where the stars are formed. They call it the Chameleon Cloud Complex. 
They say the bright blue glow is created by young stars reflecting off of the surrounding nebula. Pet ownership has grown worldwide during the pandemic. Now in Australia, some youngsters are trying beekeeping. It's an effort to help protect the threatened native species, which has no sting in its tail. Introduce Andrew Thomas has the details. Up close and personal with some of Australia's most important pollinators, and not a stinger in sight. For some, Australian native stingless bees are becoming the pet of choice. Severio Russo is the founder of the Billion Bees Foundation, a bee conservation organization. Look, I was surprised how a lot of people actually didn't know that actually they exist. And as soon as they hear the word stingless, they gravitate towards this and they want to find out a little bit more. And then when they see how gentle they are and tiny, uh, they all want it because it's the best pet. From the more than 2,500 types of native bees found in Australia, these are the only species in Sydney that live in a colony and make honey. They are one of just 12 species that are stingless. Amateur bee rescuers are stepping in to raise awareness about the bee, hoping education will help boost the bee's popularity. Russo hopes kids' curiosity will be an asset in the fight to save these bees and other insects. Kids have a natural inquisitive to actually learn about biology and insects. And when you've got them at your doorstep, you can actually observe them. And then all of a sudden, I've seen with my kids how they're starting to observe not just the bees itself, the, the stingless ones, but also other type of insects. It did not take long for Russo's love for the bees to spread to his neighbors, with more than 20 homes on the street in Blakehurst, South Sydney, wanting a hive of their own. Now more than 100 hives have been installed in backyards, parks, and childcare centers in and around Blakehurst. I was very fortunate at first because as soon as I started asking on the street here, pretty much every single person here has one of our hives. The Billion Bees Foundation expects many more will continue to come on board and join the effort to save this threatened species. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. That's the latest business updates for today, but you can still catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox. That's at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. For NTD Business, though, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.